We're not lost, are we? Uh, my dear, I'm never lost. <laughs> <laughs> never, Doctor. The TARDIS has never once landed where you've wanted. Oh, nonsense. I've never heard such rubbish. I simply allow a certain margin of error. <laughs> how big a margin? Have you ever noticed how we always land on planets? Hmm? Yes. Well, the universe is only 30% matter. And most of that is um, hydrogen in interstellar space. So, quite frankly, it's a remarkable achievement that we ever land on a planet at all. <laughs> well, when you put it like that... Although I, I will admit, a lot of these trees do look the same. We may have gone slightly off course, but uh, I think this direction is. I'm sure this is east. <laughs> now, come along, child. <laughs> Big finish for the love of stories. You're listening to The Big Finish Podcast, release date the 10th of April, 2022. Well, there's a reason why we're still sitting here talking about Doctor Who. Mm. And if he hadn't made it float in the first place, yeah. you know, which it was, it was, it was, it was phenomenally successful in the 60s. Obviously, the creatures that the man sitting opposite me uh, <laughs> personifies, all of them uh, now, uh, had a lot to do with it, but it must have had an enormous amount oh, to do with it. He was loved as Doctor Who, yeah. you know, uh, and it is an absolutely terrific performance, and um, that must never be forgotten. You, Nick and Benji? I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. Come in and join us. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, so many of you out there listen to Big Finish audio dramas for the love of stories, and you know what? That's exactly why we do what we do, for the love of stories. What a coincidence. Yeah. In a moment, Benji and I will be introducing a podcast-exclusive interview with our brand-new first Doctor actor, Stephen Noonan. Very exciting. Following that, the Good Review Guide. This week, Lady Christina, Series 2, as that aristocratic friend of the Doctor's finds herself in a fix or two. Oh, here we are, old girl. Just in time for breakfast. Then we're off behind the scenes with the First Doctor Adventures, The Outlaws, the beginning of a whole new era for the First Doctor, as played by Stephen Noonan. I'm Elizabeth Miles, and I'm the writer of The Outlaws. Following that, once again, dropping into your ear inbox is listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Packed with your probing questions and pithy comments. Uh huh. Pith helmets. I always think of, whenever I see pithy, I always think of pith helmets. Yes, so do I. Uh, In our also available (laughs) segment, we preview the hotly awaited Doctor of War. Colin Baker stars in an unbound adventure where nothing is quite what you expected. We are talking about the Daleks. The most evil creatures ever invented. You must destroy them. You must complete your mission for the Time Lords. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Oh. What will it be? Well, we genuinely have no idea until I press the button, so so your, your guess is as good as ours, quite frankly. I can see you feeling for the button there. Yes, yes. There was a time when the Federation ruled, or at least had control over the known universe, as well as continually expanding. Uh, Then, then, then we bring the curtain down on this podcast after a free 15-minute drama tease treat. 
from the first Doctor, The Outlaws by Lisbeth Miles. You didn't happen to catch sight of a white-haired old coot, did you? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, we did. He was in the party we tried to rob. Oh, delightful! Now then, there's been much anticipation and excitement for it, and now the moment is almost upon us. This week sees the release of the first Doctor Adventures, The Outlaws. Back last year, when we'd just finished recording this brand new box set, I forced poor Stephen Noonan to sit down and chat to me exclusively for this podcast. Given that he was totally exhausted, I think, well, actually, uh, you can't tell. You can't tell. Have a listen. He's great. Hello, Stephen Noonan, and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, Nick. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here. Um, well, um, what have you I been... I didn't say, where are you? I know. <laughs> But that's, I know that's, where you are. That's how I am. We're, we're, ah. we're, um, what, what have you been playing for us today? Uh, oh, I've got no short-term memory, I think. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, oh, the, the Doctor. The First Doctor. The First Doctor. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and that, it's now out this week. I've decided, um, and well, so you've, uh, you recorded it, and you're putting it out this week. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow, so, okay. yeah. That was yeah, quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, this. this uh, <laughs> This uh, yes. <laughs> recording has been frozen in time. Ah. Sorry, that's the wrong doctor. <laughs> anyway, um, what, um, you know, in a nutshell, how come you ended up playing the first doctor? In a large nutshell. Um, I um... And make it funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> At the end of this, you can say, what a lovely story. <laughs> Those who know the power of Crawlwell might recognise that uh, from the DVD extras. Anyway, um, uh, I was given a phone call. Given a phone call? I was phoned up <laughs> by Mark Elstab, who oh. big Finnish fans might know um, as number six from the prisoner series, mm. amongst many other things. And uh, he said, Nick Briggs is looking for a first doctor. How would you feel about me putting your name his way, knowing your um, skills such as they are. And uh, he, he knew that um, I'd occasionally been known to uh, start ejaculating as, as the first Doctor in the Conan Doyle sense of the indeed, word. Indeed, indeed, um, yes. And, uh, Perfectly legitimate. And, uh, and he, so he'd heard me say things like, uh, it's far from being all over. <laughs> I've messed my voice up today, so I can't do it uh, just Or maybe it sounds better with it, with a, with a, with a, with a hoarser voice. Um, and uh, so I, because I hadn't been doing this sort of thing for a bit, because I'm taking a bit of a break. And I thought, well, can I ring you back tomorrow? So, so he said, uh, yes. And so I did. <laughs> and I thought, OK. And uh, so I, I got sent these audition pieces which were extracts from obviously from various Hartwell stories pulled mm -hmm. them on tape and then I got an email from Nick Briggs saying Me. oh there he is um, <laughs> him saying can you do a zoom chat tomorrow and then the, the things started to unfold what a lovely story <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely story <laughs> yes so that's, uh, that's Glyn Owen by the way yeah, yeah that's his comment on yes. the Tom Baker anecdote I believe the one about Begonia Pope Oh, yes. Um, so you'd already been entertaining Mark Elstob over the years with various bits of William Hartnell, but you had, you know, you'd done all the actory things that actors do, that good actors do. You know, you'd be in the RSC, haven't you? You'd done various television shows. Played Hamlet. Okay, you go. You know. Yeah. Worked, worked with David Warner in David Warner's 
King Lear. Yes. I was I <laughs> I was Edmund in his King Lear. There you go, you yes. see. <laughs> and and every now and again you mention, oh, I did a film with so and so, or I did that series. I think you know you've done loads of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And uh, the brilliant thing for us is that you know, even though you're a very accomplished actor, no one's ever heard of you. So you're quite a <laughs> <laughs> no one in the Doctor Who world has ever heard of no. you. No, well, That's I've never. No, I've, ne- I've, I've certainly ne- never, never uh, ventured into the Doctor Who world. Yes. Uh, Sorry, it, I didn't it, mean it, that your career amounted to nothing. Carry on. <laughs> Just dig myself out of that hole. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a, an interesting surprise for people. What are your? Um, how would you describe how you capture the kind of first Doctor performance? Um, you've done a lot of research, haven't you? Which yeah. is an understatement. It is really, yeah, yeah. Because um, I actually, um, because I've known about this for a little while mm. since since beginning of summer, really. Um, summer 2021. We're probably in 2022. Indeed, now. that's right. Yeah. So, so I, I offered it, it was beginning of July. So, so known about it a long time, and um, it was wonderful to have the opportunity to to um, go back and watch all the Hartnell stories over and over again. Not that I haven't in the past, uh, of course, yeah. as a Doctor Who fan, um, and to venture into. Um, Stories that I'd never got round to, shamefully, the the um, a lot of the missing stories. So, mm-hmm. I'd, so I'd never listened to the Mythmakers. I'd never listened to the Smugglers. I'm now a huge fan of the Mythmakers and the Smugglers. I'd never listened to all of the Daleks' master plan. Yeah, which is which sustains same, same them, here, same here. Which sustains those those twelve episodes brilliantly. So so this it was it was a, an absolute joy to have this opportunity to to have a good excuse. To be a Doctor Who fan to the nth degree, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, Have you confessed to anyone yet on tape that, as it were, that you you've re- you've recorded all those lines yourself? I I said I now that that's that's a little bit of a fib that I never I have not got round to record the plan was that's what i've been telling that everyone. was that well okay we can we can go with that let's cut <laughs> that bit out then that, but i've got quite I, i've done a, a hell of a lot of it yes was not just listening to but i but deciding to record myself doing every single one of hartnell's lines mm. so, so whereby i'd have it you know the, the audio recording in in my headphones with a dictaphone listen mm. to the line and then try and mimic it exactly. And with nobody else's lines, if you cut it together, you often get quite hilarious results, <laughs> which is just Hartnell's lines. It's a particular sequence in the Daleks' master plan yes. where, where, where he's bossing Katerina around yes. on the devil's planet. And um, without being too specific, it, it, bec- it becomes um, a, a hilarious double entendre. It sounds like it's a carry-on doctor. Oh, right. I'll just, that's all I'll say. Okay, well, we won't, we won't go into <laughs> detail on that. Um, but, it, no, it's, so, so that's, that's um, been of inestimable help doing that uh, and, 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 and having those recordings and listening back, not just to him, but to myself mm. doing exact lines from all the exact lines from 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 from, from most of the stories mm. so that you go oh that's i i've got it there i haven't got it there and so you realize where you're stronger what and what sort of timbre or particular inflections you you've nailed 
and other ones where you, there's more work to be done or perhaps don't bother with that because he doesn't sound much like himself. Well, this is the thing we've spoken... Yes. You, you and I have talked a lot, and you've talked a lot about how William Hartnell's voice is very different in mm. different circumstances, mm. and sometimes he does it in a way that yeah. people wouldn't necessarily recognise that as a, a typical Hartnell voice. What are the different kinds of voice he did? Well, it's very interesting, particularly early on, if you if you listen to An Unearthly Child... Um, or the Daleks. So the the very early story, the very early stories. Um, there's a lot less of the the sort of the fussier sort of doddery old man stuff. Um, it's a much straighter performance, if 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 you know what I mean. Mm. It's, it's 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 a it's it's a much less charactered performance. Yes. What well, can you give me an example of a sort of? Um, so if you oh, the, the first scene in the TARDIS in An Unearthly Child. Um, where he's saying um, things like um, that. There's the there's famous lines, obviously, like um, "illusions, indeed." That's that famous yeah, speech. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's, there's 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 far less sort of elaboration around mm. around what he's doing, and it, and and that sort of comes along much more later on. Well, he's giving himself thinking time to try and remember the lines, isn't he? Because it's no well, secret you know, that he did struggle. There's, there's, there's the very interesting um, interview with Donald Tosh that a chap called Nick Briggs did in <laughs> in uh, in the nineties, where and I'd never, because this was an interview I, I, I obviously watched full research, and it's a brilliant interview. Oh, thank you. Um, I have no. I recollection meant that of Donald it. Tosh was brilliant, but no, no, oh, it was oh, 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 <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. No, it's. No, it's very good, you know, um, and um, his he. I'd never heard this theory before. I think I'd, I knew that Hartlett had a, had a, an accident during the filming of Dark's Invasion, but but Tosh, uh, his opinion was that that was what changed him, hmm. and that after that he was he was the dodderiness became something that he wasn't incorporating into the part deliberately, but he was he was he was having to uh, rely on to cover the fact that he was he wasn't. Um, the person he'd been before the before the accident, mm, and of course we don't know, um, you know how how the, the the condition he had was affecting him or how how it was creeping up on him as mm. those those later stories. But it becomes more... part of his characterization, well, doesn't it? It's an integral yeah, part of What's it. brilliant about it um, is that he he made those um, necessities into 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 that that he was he was having so think about the the workload i mean it was all all the year round yeah. 48 weeks a year or something with he'd had the the odd week off yeah and with that enormous learning load Incredible. of all those all those lines i don't think many that, modern actors no, could do that this was all the year round there was there was doctor who was 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 on all year but there was a tiny little break in the summer for, of a week or two that's an astonishing amount of work to do, and not in the modern way of, of um, rehearse and record. Well, they're continuous record as live. Mm. So it's a miracle that um, he wasn't even more all over the place or anybody do, do, doing, uh, do, doing that amount of work. Did you have any sort of go-to phrases that kept sort of uh, inspiring you to, you know, to, to hold on to the, the voice? What I will say is, is there were certain stories that were... Um, more useful than others, mm. uh, as a as a sort of quarry, and it, so so you. I keep going back to Galaxy Four for some reason. There's a there's a there's a particular sort of timbre that he has in his voice, 
there was some just some lines that that, that amused me in it, and and the Daleks' master plan. Mm. There's something about that sort of what's at the beginning of of his of his third year, talking about the sort of the different voices of William Hartnell. A lot of the stuff he does is in that. It's very, very, very. You know, it's up there, quite, quite, quite feathery light. Mm. My voice doesn't naturally go there. My voice is much more sort of, sort of abrasive, and and yes. and so. I would find myself. I'd listen to a story like like the the Daleks' master plan. His voice is much more on that on that sort of harsher level as it is in Galaxy Four. So it was useful to concentrate on those stories and work and work on my strengths, and and gradually sort of branch out from the ability to do that. To actually, then when when you found you could do that particular, you go, oh, I see, I can move from there. To where he goes lighter, yeah. as he does. So once I've got that, I can do that other voice or that, you know. And, and, and you've done some marvelous set pieces, like the whole ten sixty six thing that you took from the the time medley. From the there's there's been nice opportunities um, in these scripts to because the outlaws is a, a homage, yes, uh, a love letter if you like to to the time meddler. Um and of course. It's a story with the monk, and, and um, there are references to to their previous um, main encounter in that story. And there's a way in which Hartnell, in that story, <laughs> says the year 1066. Yes. And um, so the word 1066, or the the year that was not in the original script of the Outlaws, but I thought it'd be wonderful to incorporate that at the yes. end of at the end of a speech he has about the Battle of Hastings. Yeah. To to do that, uh, <laughs> and I'll. Do you want me to do it now? Or go, I'll go, let them. Go on, no, go on, do a bit. Ten sixty six. They are. <laughs> and everyone in the studio was terribly admiring of that. And there are these incredible bits you do, which are just like huge production numbers in themselves. And William Hartnell's performance, actually, once you start analysing it, and I've analysed it nowhere near as much as you, but through you and through talking about it, I've gone back and watched and listened to stuff. It's really dynamic. Mm. And by that, I mean it changes in volume yeah. and it changes in pitch a lot. So one minute he's... And then he's like, no, you know, yes. he suddenly yes. turns on yes. someone. And it's Absolutely. it's really... Uh, it's, I'm finding it mesmerising. I... Before, because today we've we've just been recording. It's the second day of the Outlaws, and, and we were focusing on all the scenes with the monk. Because yesterday we'd had we had Glynis Barber, yes. so we were doing the scenes with the sheriff of, of Lincoln, the part she's playing. And today we were focusing on, on the monk scenes. And um, so I got up at five o'clock this morning to watch the time meddler, um, a, a sort of special viewing on the day I was going to have to pay tribute to it. And I was just sitting there thinking, well, well, this is this this. You'd have thought it might have become a chore now, to, to because you know yeah. I, I I you know you could you could could you get all heartened out? I was sitting there this morning going, I just think this is terrific. This performance, you know, it's just so wonderfully varied, but not sort of gratuitously varied. It's it's it's. I think he's well. There's a reason why we're still sitting here talking about Doctor Who, mm. and. If he hadn't made it float in the first place, yeah. you know, which it was, it was, it was, it was phenomenally successful in the sixties. Obviously, 
the creatures that the man sitting opposite me uh, <laughs> personifies, all of them uh, now, uh, had a lot to do with it, but it must have had an enormous amount oh, to totally. do with it. He was loved as Doctor Who, yes. you know, uh, and um, he, he he refers to himself, you know, that, that being followed around by children like the Pied Piper, you know, yeah. but, but there's a reason for that, and it is an absolutely terrific performance, and um, that must never be forgotten, I think. <laughs> How significant he was and how brilliant he was. And, you know, really exhausting for you. How are you feeling at the end of it all? My brain's gone dead from, <laughs> fr is, is fried by the Hartnell uh, 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 stuff. Uh, you know, it's been two days now. And, and also we did, Nick, very kindly, I requested that there should be a gap of a week between recording one and the second one. And he yeah. kindly, actually at great inconvenience, I think, <laughs> Um, managed to wangle that, but I'm rather glad he did because because on scene 13 of 41 in the miniaturist, there was a, a scene of the Doctor being uh, tortured in ways that um, actually I, I can't quite remember exactly. But anyway, um, and uh, and I managed to to knacker my voice <laughs> barely halfway through it. So I, it's been nice to have a week to recuperate to an extent because it is. To do the to, to create that voice, the voice that when he's going through pain and it's like you have to you really have to constrict your vocal cords. Mm. If you do that and then shout through it, yes. then your the recipe for knackering the voice. So so it's 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 um it's constantly rebelling. The vocal cords are you know the larynx is going. What are you doing all day? <laughs> you know? And um, so yeah, that's that's obviously sort of a, a physical thing, but uh, but um, you know the way these things work, of course, we it's it's recorded very very quickly, and so you actors have to be on it, don't they? You know, because yes. um, you know you, you you pretty much do do two takes of a scene and yeah. some, um, some pickups. So you know you've you've really you've really got to be concentrating. Well, um, and you know, frankly, um, I mean, sometimes we do more, but with you, there's really no need to do more than two, to be quite frank, because, you know, there are no mistakes except the ones you deliberately put in. <laughs> well, that's not entirely true. That's very kind of you. But there are hardly they're, they're, any. They're, I yeah, can think, yeah. I think on the, the, the fingers of one hand, I can think of times when yeah. we've had to stop because you yeah. actually made a mistake. And actors, you know, myself yeah. included, make mistakes all the time. It's, there's no shame in that. But... You know, you were very, you were exceptionally well prepared. So thank well, you. Well, it was one of the inspirations um, before coming to record this. Just a few weeks ago, I watched. Um, there's this chap called Nick Briggs who uh, interviewed uh, Ver Verity Lambert right. um, in the '90s, and uh, a name that will be familiar to Doctor Who fans. This was just after the cancellation, um, yeah. and uh, and. She talked about, I didn't know this until I'd seen this interview and I hadn't seen it before, where she said uh, she was in, had been in negotiation with the BBC with her, with her company, Cinema Verity, um, about possibly rescuing Doctor Who um, and, um, at, at that time. And she said, uh, uh, yeah, I was quite interested in the idea of doing that. And Nick said to her, well, did you have any... Ideas, and she said, "Yes, I had some very strong ideas for for casting, particularly." And he said, 
well, who would you have cast? And and the most interesting suggestion she made was was Peter O'Toole. And so so I find it very difficult to watch films that haven't got William Hartnell in recently. And I suddenly thought, great, Verity's other choice for Doctor Who that was never realised was Peter O'Toole. So I started watching some Peter O'Toole films just by way of something else to watch. And there was a wonderful commentary he does on the film Beckett, where he talks, the, the moderator is asking him how he prepares, how would you prepare? He says, the only way to prepare for anything, for any actor, is uninhibited, unobserved, private study. So that when you get to the set, you get to the rehearsal room, you get to the recording studio, all the work's been done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then you can play, in inverted commas, whatever. So, 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 and I thought, that's great, I love that. Uninhibited, unobserved private study is the secret mm-hmm. to, to all performance. And you can only make something sound spontaneous unless you're doing improvisation by having rigorously worked on it. Otherwise it's going to sound a mess. Spontaneity, <laughs> there is such a thing as spontaneity, but in acting it tends to, the, 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 um, the faking of it or making it sound like it is spontaneous is, um, is by doing the opposite of working very, very hard and specifically. There's no so, substitute for homework, is there? There's no really? substitute for homework, no, absolutely. So will you be up for more? Nah, I've had enough of this. Um, I, I'd love to. Yeah, I've, absolutely. If, if if there's more in the offing, I'd I'd be delighted to. And and I have got um, hours and hours, if not days and days, of, of dictaphone um, uh, material, which it would be shame to uh, to shelve yes. <laughs> permanently now. So it'd be nice to uh, to to utilise it once again. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Well, we'd love to do that. All right. Well, that's delightful to hear. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think it's fair to say that the amount of work Stephen has put into this has been phenomenal, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know, I was so... When when I was first told about Stephen's in, involvement and, and you were telling me just the level in which... the detail in which he tries to draw out of his performances and analysing all of... You know, almost chronicling... Hartnell's career as it were yes, yeah. is is just incredible you know and, and that makes such a huge difference I think to I think when you know I know that when you know that somebody has gone to to that level of, of detail and research in their performance I think when you know that you can relax when listening to something because you think oh it's in really safe hands and it is when you listen to it it's, it's just a wonderful curated performance yes well said you did the music on it as well, didn't you, Nick? No. I thought you did. Okay. That was Toby. Oh, was it Toby? Oh. Toby Robinson, yeah. yeah. Good it's egg. beautiful. Good he's, egg. Done two, he's, he's done two uh, completely different scores, actually. You know, for the Outlaws, it's very old-fashioned, acoustic instrument-based stuff like they would have done for that sort of thing. Brilliant. Lots of horns and drums and... Uh, and then for the miniaturist, which is the other story, which is a totally out there, weird, weird story. He's just done so much crazy stuff. He did some weird, I can't remember what he did now. He he, he attached a pickup mic to a, a zither or something and made weird noises with it and then reversed them. So there's a feeling of like, a bit like that first Dalek story with those... Oh, I love it. And yeah. you can hear some of that in the trailer. There's a time, I'm surprised no one's picked up on it, but you hear that a couple of times. But it's just 
just really weird crazy stuff that is so perfect it's always sort of hovering in the background it's very very haunting and beautiful yeah you'd never guess that the two scores were by the same person to be quite frank because it's totally different styles of music that's, that's an art to be able to do that as well as to be able yeah. to to mask your your musical abilities like that well, Toby is an incredible musician, actually. He's worked with so many different musicians over the years. And when we did um, uh, a Katie Manning uh, thing called Not a Well Woman, do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that, yes. Well, there was so such a huge demand for different styles of music in it. We thought, God, what are we going to do? But Toby said, it's all right, it's all right. And he just did it. I mean, he worked ridiculous amounts of hours to get it right. But it was, you know, really rather beautiful that he he can tap into all those different styles, and well, he's, he's very he's painfully modest. So I can I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, so um, <laughs> he won't be because otherwise I wouldn't have said all this if I knew he was listening because he'd just be in agony. He can't stand it when people are nice to him about stuff. <laughs> so right, I'm always right. he, he used to do the, the the big finished lunches, of course, didn't he? He did. Well, I, I haven't seen him in such a long time, but I always love chatting with him because we always end up going down music rabbit holes ourselves and talking about obscure bands. And he'll say, "Oh yes, you know, I remember him. What was it? Um, it was a band called Gong, which I really like, which are sort of <laughs> crazy, sort them of to me. jazzy, yeah, jazzy, rocky, really strange stuff." And he said, "Oh, he said yes. He said I work with Gong." He said, yes, he said, I worked on um, one of their albums. Lo and behold, he has. And he said, yes, and um, one of their members of them uh, have a studio just down the other side of, of our unit here. And so, you know, what a weird, you know, that's when you get those weird sort of things. You think, blimey, the world is small or Toby yeah. knows well, an Toby, awful lot. Yeah, Toby's had yeah, a lot of musical connections across the globe. Uh, if only I could tell you some of the stories he's told me, but then <laughs> a lot of them aren't repeatable, but incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Yes, miss seeing Toby. We, we've had the old chat over the pandemic and emailing to and fro, but um, yeah, really, really miss, really miss him. Definitely. He's got, he's, you know, like all the studios and the places you go, they have an energy to them. That's part of the. That's part of the studio. A studio is a bit like somebody's front room. You know, it's, mm. it's it's a personal space, and it's all about the host and the the people operating. And, and Toby had a huge personality within within that studio and, and big family. Oh, definitely, and it's such it's, a helpful, lovely person. You know, absolutely, he always goes uh, you know above and beyond, and and is and is really thoughtful. But so hates really, hates being complimented. I guess yeah. maybe, maybe you know, the best so people So I deliberately, do, everyone yeah. was always nice about the lunch and I'd always go, it's mediocre, Toby. You happy now? <laughs> the salmon's <laughs> a bit underdone. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, all we can really say, quite mm. frankly, Nick, I mean, as, as if we would say anything else, but it sounds to me like the first Doctor Adventures is, is in very safe hands from all areas. Yeah, yeah. And, and as I think I'm due to mention later, or maybe next time round, um, you know, new scripts are being written for the next one. So, yeah, there's more to come. More to... And just, if if I may, Nick, I just want mm. to, to reiterate this point because somebody mentioned to me yesterday about this, that that they, that they're, you know, we've got... With Stephen Noonan's uh, first Doctor is coexisting alongside the David Bradley 
Doctor as well. They're, they're That's right. Yeah, we got plans to do more David Bradley ones. Yeah, they're two separate things, and people aren't sure where it's going. And so I just really wanted to say they're two they're two separate things. They're both playing the First Doctor, which I think is actually really cool. Is this yeah, a, yeah. is this a is this a first time where we have two? No, no, actors? because no, we're not at all. Because you know we've had. Uh, um, uh, different people doing the the first doctor voice before you know peter purvis and um, of course william russell chronicles yeah 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 no we've we've had uh and and uh katie doing the third doctor uh so it's yeah there's a and, and I, I was told apparently there's some uh outrageous um uh youtube thing where this guy's got this theory that i sacked david bradley and i've been <laughs> planning it for years and it's all this thing that i did you know i love dave bradley he is such a nice man and i really enjoyed working with him on the first doctor adventures so yeah no no it's, there's been there's been no sacking there's been no you know <laughs> it's just uh to do with um you as i've said before you're always looking for something that is like your first issue again Mm. for new beginnings because it, it brings more people in you know and the trouble is when you try to bring more people in sometimes the people who are already there go oh it's already full in here we don't want any more people at our party but th think of big finish as an ever expanding party where there's plenty of room for everyone absolutely uh, because it's off-putting for a new listener to look at something and it's re release number eight and go, oh, God, do I have to I have to go back and, oh, you know, some it's off-putting. So if we can have as many beginnings as possible, it's jumping on points. That That's the theory behind it. And also just an exciting new thing to do. And I think we've got an exciting new and different performance from Stephen Noonan. Well, I love sitting back and, you know, when news comes in about things, I love looking at things and go, oh, I wonder how that's going to go. I wonder how they're going to take that one. Yeah. You know, with Stephen taking this on, I mean, you sent me the trailer before it was out, so I heard it. I heard it in advance. But, but even then, when I, I remember the, I was, you know, with the podcast and talking to you, Nick. I, I remember the the lead up to this and the planning involved and what was going on. And I was really interested in thinking, oh, I wonder, I wonder what this is going to be like. I wonder where this is going. And so, yeah. It is. It's an exciting thing, isn't it? Like you say, it's it's a new issue. You think, oh, yes, yes, I must hear this. I must hear this. Yes, so exciting. You must be there. <laughs> so close, you can feel their fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> next time, well, uh, time now for the good review guide. Finding the latest positive comments uh, about Big Finish Productions and occasionally tea, as we uh, <laughs> as we certainly put to rights last week. Uh, and hopefully, this will help recommend the releases. For you. And as promised, this week we're looking at Lady Christina Series 2. From Big Finish Productions, Lady Christina Series 2. Quokka 1 to Quokka Bay, so are you receiving me? I'm receiving you loud and clear, Jenny. Oh, my. What is it? Looks like a... A UFO heading straight for me. Ah, oh, here we are, old girl. Just in time for breakfast. There's been whispers on the street that a few illegal bookies have been vanishing around London. I thought that was an occupational hazard. What the hell are you doing here? Would you have seen me if I'd found a head? With company as charming as yours, how could I refuse? I came to help you, Dad. Oh, help me! I've come here to help you find the treasure. Have you ever heard of Lady Eugenia de Souza? No, should I have? 
She was a notorious tomb raider, made off with a lot of stolen Egyptian treasure during the Second World War. By any chance is she a relative of Christina's? Her great aunt. If she's still alive. Jackie McGee! Why, this is an unexpected delight. Oh, now if you can just calm down a second. Oh yeah, I'm not the one rooting around in someone else's backyard. We're from UNIT. Never heard of it. I will not help you to execute my father. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Hello, my sweet. Did the nasty girl burn you? Big Finish. We love stories. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Christina into the search pane at the top. Yeah, to not Christinia, as I stupidly typed. Christinia. <laughs> Don't type Christinia. <laughs> no, that, sound, that sounds like a, a rather tremendous city on, a, on an alien oh, planet, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, yes. Welcome to the city of Christinia. Yes, um, Christinios. Christinios oh, Christinios is, is, is the planet. Is it? Oh, is it Christinia, the capital of Christinios? Yeah, that works, doesn't it? There you go. Brilliant. Next, go. next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's done. Um, moving on. <laughs> but yes, uh, type Christina, type Christina into the search bar at the top. For pity's uh, sake! For, come on, man, pull yourself together um, to find both series, including this aristocratic adventuress's adventures. So first up, uh, Daniel Mansfield from whoreview.com. That's who-review. Who Review? Um, Daniel Mansfield. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Daniel, son of Keith Mansfield. Um, uh-huh. I wish. Um, with engaging, nuanced central performance from Michelle Ryan and three strong scripts, Lady Christina Series 2 is one of the best releases of 2021 so far. Uh, maintaining the enormous sense of fun from the first set whilst incorporating darker, more serious mm-hmm. elements, this box set is the perfect blend of easy listening and thought-provoking reflection. More Lady Christina, please, big finish. Highly recommended. Four stars. Maybe stepped on a rake. Who knows? Swap in the face. Um, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? No sense in a darker, more serious elephant. That's, I don't know. Well, uh, I don't know whether the elephants were. Oh, elements! Sorry, sorry. The elephants. Uh, Doctor Who and the elephants. I wonder what sort of elephant. Oh, it's not an elephant. Sorry, I keep thinking it's not an elephant. elephant, It's a towel. But but Um, there we are. It's highly recommended, but with only four stars. I mean, maybe that's four out of four. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so I give that review three stars out of four for not being quite generous, as generous as the review suggests. Harsh, but fair. I I think you're fine. Hold on. I've just this just in. Nobody cares what I think. Okay. Uh, DoctorWhoReviews.net. Kyle says its tone and energy are top notch this is going well because i love top notch top notch is great top notch you have to you have it's to you evocative. have to you have to when you say top notch you kind of have to do a thumbs up at the same time like that's top notch yeah top notch i'm doing a thumbs up yeah. okay kyle and certainly prove that the future for christina is bright should big finish continue to choose to revisit her in the future hello this is Big Finish visiting. Would you like to come out to play again? Yes, please. Thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderfully done. Nicholas Briggs there playing the Christina. Yes, two please. voices. <laughs> Both of them the same. Uh, so I give that five out of 0. 0.7. 
Very good. Thank you, Kyle. Top notch. Top notch review. Top notch. Well, that's not all, Nick. Mario yep. Araculus says uh, oh. on Twitter, check out Lady Christina Series 2 from Big Finish. Just absolutely loving this. And Sam 2? Sam 2? Just says Sam 2, but 2 is in T-O. Well, I think Sam it's a two? misspelling, isn't it? Must be Sam 2, yeah. Uh, can we get a Series 3? Well, who knows, as uh, Tom Baker might say, as the curator. Um, uh, so what do I give that? That's uh, Mario Miraculous. It sounds like a sort of professor. It's miraculous, isn't it, I suppose? Mariaraculous. Yeah. yeah. Professor uh, so Mariaraculous, who is is the head scientist at Christinios testing facilities. In Christinia. In Christinia. It's all coming together, this new, exciting adventure <laughs> that uh, Benji and I are writing here. It's, it's yeah. so close you can feel, feel its fire, can't you? Yeah. Uh, but somehow I'd rather not. Um, <laughs> Extinguished. So, so um, it, it has to be some kind of professorial mark for this. Mm. Any suggestions? Well, it's, it's 7.9261 recurring on the Richter scale, isn't it? Quite frankly. Out, of, out of two metaphysical grammar nodules. There we go. <laughs> there we are. Thank you. What was that, Professor. Nick? Can you, repeat, can you repeat that for me? <laughs> oh, um, no. No, uh, no, uh, no, no, Chuck, no. Professor Clifford, thank you for, for your input. You're, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. You can go back to uh, uh, your your seat as a venerable fellow of the University of Mungdalos. Total baloney, yeah. <laughs> I said Mungdalos, I don't know what that is. Mungdalos. Yes, you can see how I come up with my fictional names. Anything that Mung-dalos. comes out of my mouth. Um <laughs> Uh, spit. Um, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time we'll be talking about Dalek Universe 2 Manchester United 5 uh, starring the rather wonderful David Tennant and he is rather wonderful. Yeah, he? he certainly is. He is Left back, wasn't he, on that game? Yeah. <laughs> Left behind. Well. Left behind, yeah. Stayed <laughs> in the locker room. And decided he'd have a cup of tea instead. Uh, still to come on this podcast as night follows day. Listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com uh, and like day follows night uh, are also available segment. This week featuring Doctor of War Genesis. Oh, very exciting. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with the first Doctor Adventures, The Outlaws. Hello, my name is Mark Wright and I am the producer and script editor of the First Doctor Adventures. So here we are at the the start of a new era of adventures for the First Doctor and Dodo Chaplet. We're pairing the Doctor with Dodo, which has never really been done uh, on audio before. I was delighted to be approached by Nicholas Briggs and David Richardson and asked if I would like to take on responsibility for producing the first Doctor Adventures. It was pitched as a brand new start. We were going to take the Doctor and Dodo uh, after they've left Stephen on the planet of the Savages and have a whole new series of adventures, which was very intriguing because that gave us very much a blank canvas to play with. I'm Elizabeth Miles and I'm the writer of The Outlaws. The brief that Mark gave me was the Doctor and Dodo on their first adventure. I want to say solo, but that's 
not the correct word because there are two of them, but the first adventure after Stephen leaves the TARDIS. Uh, my inspiration, I know this is going to be hard to believe if you've just listened to the story, but my inspiration behind it was Robin Hood. Also history. But mostly Robin Hood. I'll have you know, Sheriff, that if I turned my hand to it, I should be the most excellent of spies. <laughs> Would you indeed? I think casting the Doctor is the crucial element to what we have here. It was explained to me from the very beginning that we were going to cast a new Doctor. Stephen auditioned for us. I believe he came as a recommendation from Mark Elstob, Big Finish's uh, number six in The Prisoner. And we auditioned Stephen. We gave him various speeches from the television series, various speeches from The Outlaws, and he absolutely rose to the challenge. And we've had lots of long discussions between us all. I've enjoyed a great deal of, a great many conversations with Stephen, often several hours, just talking about his approach to the character. And it's been a delight to be a part of that process, to, to see his diligence in approaching this part. His preparation has been absolutely phenomenal. And I think what we're keen for is not somebody who could come along and do a a carbon copy impression we don't you don't want Mike Yarwood coming and doing this you want an actor who is going to bring nuance and texture to it and that's what Stephen's done Stephen is an incredible actor he's classically trained he's a former member of the RSC um, and he he's really thought about this he has immersed himself in the character of the first doctor and also William Hartnell as a person he studied his performances he's listened to his performances the notes of the voice are like William Hartnell. His voice isn't a sort of perfect clone of the, the tonal quality of William Hartnell, but, but the music is, you know. So it's like William Hartnell being played on a slightly different instrument, but it's also just a cracking piece of acting. You know, Stephen is a really brilliant actor who's played loads of classic roles in his time and had a lot of experience. And he has such a phenomenal attention to detail in his work. And that's really led to, I would say, I wouldn't like to presume too much if Stephen's listening, but a, a friendship between us. You know, we, we speak a lot and we talk about, and he's mad about Doctor Who and so am I. So, you know, we, we talk about all sorts of stuff. So really the qualities that Stephen brought to the role is, yes, it's very much like William Hartnell, but also it has something of its own and it has a real energy to it. And you know that this guy is the Doctor, the centre of the story. And that's essential, really. He's really had a, a technician's approach to creating this character. It's been done with respect and a reverence for William Hartnell's performance, which cannot be bettered. I mean, William Hartnell, he's the original on which the entire foundation of Doctor Who has been built. But Stephen's approach to that has been just phenomenal and it's been a pleasure to get to know him uh, he's very much steeped in Doctor Who he knows Doctor Who very well and he now knows William Hartnell and the first Doctor very well so it's been a delight to hear this character come alive under his under his stewardship and I think that's the way to approach it we are stewards of these characters and we always want to do it with respect and reverence while also forging new ground and I think that's what Stephen will do alongside Stephen we have the brilliant Lauren Cornelius 
stepping in to the uh, role of Dodo Chaplet. Again, we've approached this with respect. Uh, Jackie Lane is an indelible part of Doctor Who. She did an incredible job with Dodo in very, very difficult circumstances. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes chaos at the time on Doctor Who. It was going through uh, one of those infrequent turbulent phases where it was pulling in different creative directions and there were clashes behind the scenes. And I think, sadly, Jackie Lane got got clobbered by that a little bit, but she did what was asked of her. She came in and she took those scripts and did and you know and ran with what was on the page my name is lauren cornelius and i'm playing dodo chaplet in doctor who the outlaws today horses up ahead somewhere let's go and see come back child you never know they might be jousting come back this instant oh good gracious me why must she always go charging off it's irritating most irritating So because it's only our second day really working, well, we're just about to start our third day working together, but it's been really, really fun. Obviously, it's always daunting taking on a role of, you know, a companion and obviously for Stephen, the doctor, but we're, we're just really finding that rapport now. We're building the relationship and we're just really enjoying uh, building Dodo and, and the doctor's relationship and, and seeing it grow and seeing it develop. What I was keen for with Dodo was to take the gunfighters as our as our template for the character. I think in The Gunfighters, Dodo is brilliant. Jackie Lane is brilliant. She shows Dodo's feisty side, her fun side, that lo- the, the sheer love of the adventuring that she's got into with the first Doctor and Stephen. So that was, that was my starting point with Dodo because, unfortunately, on television, she is very inconsistently written. And I, I do put it, you know, in the hands of... A lot of the writers probably because the notes that were coming from the production team were quite confused at the time so i think for dodo to be as good as she is uh, is phenomenal really and we've tried to honor that we are very much honoring that and honoring jackie lane's performance and and hopefully showing that dodo in conception and and in execution on screen was absolutely brilliant and lauren's taken that lauren's taken that fun and feisty side of dodo watching listening to her record uh nick nick turned to me in the control room and said we were just amazed because lauren just she just goes for it Uh, lauren who plays dodo is a wonderful person to work with she's she's so enthusiastic and really goes for it and has has created you know another dodo See, from Jackie Lane was it was the uh, the original actress, but this is all Lauren's own. But yes, a sort of still very much related to the original version, and she's great. And I think that the rapport between the Doctor and Dodo in, in these episodes has, has been fantastic, and it's been lovely when I've looked across uh, the studio and we've caught sort of uh, eye contact. And so she's there's, there's acting that will be invisible to the, to the listener that is just so helpful when you're trying to establish rapport with, with, with another actor. And so I think uh, that's, that's been really enjoyable. I think, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a very successful bit of chemistry that's happening there. Uh, Stephen Noonan and Lauren Cornelius together as the Doctor and Dodo are brilliant. To say they'd never met until our first day of recording, they've really clicked. They really complement each other in their performances. I love that there is this uh, avuncular approach uh, between the two characters, the Doctor absolutely adores Dodo. 
despite his gruffness, and Dodo absolutely adores the Doctor. And I think that's the best foundation for any new adventures. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type outlaws into mm. the search pane and uh, you'll you'll find out a, a bunch of a bunch of people suddenly jump out of your screen and say your money or your life. <laughs> you'll say no, no, I just wanted the release. I just wanted the release. I say, "Oh, sorry mate, carry on through. Don't worry about this. Sorry about the mess. We had a couple of robberies this week, yeah, you know." Um no, just type outlaws in, put it in the search pane and you'll get the first doctor pops up right there like that. Yes, rediscover As it the happens. first there we go. Uh and scripts, as I mentioned before, are already underway for the next volume. Time now for listeners' emails. You don't have to be an outlaw if you want to send us an email. I imagine if outlaws your emails did send or your them, life. <laughs> that's what we say. I can imagine an outlaw would send an email like it would be a sort of piece of parchment on on an arrow, wouldn't it? You know. Just, <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, oh, it's an email. Oh, give us your jewels, or I will shove this arrow in your ear. Um, that's just like, nobody wants. Uh, yeah, that was a little bit like uh, your Piers Brosnan pain. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Ever since you said that to me, I told you tonight, I was watching Die Another Day just for a laugh. Uh, ho, ho. Just, just for a laugh. Uh, and, and once you cotton on to the fact that Piers Brosnan's bond is always going, oh, oh, oh. It's just it's just a constant soundtrack of him being hit. <laughs> and there are a couple of bits where he has a big sword fight with... Um, Gustav Graves, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Played by Toby... Um, Robinson from uh, the studio. No! <laughs> now you've put that in my head. Oh, I've got to oh! find... It's name. Oh, brilliant actor. Stevens. Stevens. I've even met him. Uh, and he was d- delightful. I've desperately wanted to work f- with him for ages, but to work for him, yes, in, the, in his in his garden. Uh, Nick, <laughs> will you just uh, cut the lawn again? It wasn't very good first time. A couple um, of geraniums need need sorting out, old boy. But um, I just uh, there was a big sword fight with Toby <laughs> Stevens, and, and there are a couple of bits where you know um, Gustav Graves, Toby Stevens, is getting the better of him, you know, and Bond gets a few smacks in the face and stuff, and uh, uh, and yeah, totally that. But also, Piers Brosnan was kind of presenting himself for the hits. He was <laughs> he was the fight directing was a bit off, even though it was very frenetic. Just having seen it so many times, you can. There's a couple of points where he just sort of goes on. Uh, chin yes thank you you know it he, uh, he, he looks like he's timing it anyway die another day yeah it wasn't wasn't my favorite bond film i don't think i don't think it's regarded by many as as their i favorites. remember people being very harsh upon it but particularly about the invisible car yeah that is you a think hold hokey, on a sec it? though you have seen the other gadgets in james bond why are you being so down on the invisible car yeah, I mean, and, and the, I'll tell you what I did like in that film. I did like the villain with the um, the shards of diamond oh, they, yeah. in his face. I thought that was quite a cool, cool touch. Yeah. Um, even if, you know, disfigured villains in James Bond are a bit old hat now. It's been a bit done, hasn't it? But, um, but yeah, not the best film. I, I feel like Pierce Brosnan had a really good run, though, as James Bond. So it's sad that that kind of finished it off. Yes. But what do I know? I liked Tomorrow Never Dies. So there we go. Me too. Me too. Great film. Great film. Um, 
is and a really I prefer good... the closing theme to the opening theme. I was about that's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> and that there is the with the closing theme, there's a version of that meant for the, the opening. Yeah. Um much better. By Katie Lang, yeah. It was um it was meant to be the um opening theme. But they catapulted or parachuted in um Alanis Morissette, is that her name? Yeah, and I just don't it just doesn't work for well, me. But the whole score is based on the Katie Lang tune which it David is. Arnold worked on yeah the whole the whole score does that tune and not the one from the opening music but they had to go with what they felt were or they felt they had to go with what was the m- more famous and uh, of the moment pop singer with Die Another Day though that's actually re- I actually really like Madonna's theme for that mm, yeah, I really enjoyed it yeah. Die Another Day great song with this I love the strings sorry we're just going on a James Bond thing now I don't even know yeah, where we, we are we're doing this to emails I think I don't know who I am. Help me! Oh, that's right. I was being shot with an arrow. Yes, if you want to send in your your email, send it to podcastabigfinish.com. Shoot it. Make sure it's not an invisible email like the car in James Bond because then we won't be able to read it. Oh, good point. Um, I love the way you say, oh, it's being shot by an arrow. Like, that makes (laughs) complete sense. Come on, we're we're podcasting. This is exactly what what happens to it. Oh, yeah, I've been shot by an arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this one is from Dan Herstrom. Uh, if I could live in a TV show. Uh-huh. Um, dear Nick and Benji, uh, one TV show that I'd truly like to live in is the Batman TV series <laughs> from the 1960s starring Adam West, also known as, known as Batman 66. Yes. Wow. The reason is that whilst Gotham City is riddled with supervillains, <laughs> this version still felt fairly safe place to live yeah. since the baddies never endangered any human lives yes. rather than having to prevent death or destruction this Batman would have to face challenges such as surfing with the Joker or dressing up as a dinosaur to outsmart Egghead <laughs> um, that's not to say that I have anything against darker grittier incarnations of Batman I quite enjoyed the latest movie starring Robert Pattinson but it feels good to know that there is at least one bright night amongst all the dark nights. Funnily enough, yesterday of all days, yes. I was watching a behind-the-scenes thing, like a reunion from Batman 1966, oh. um, which had uh, it had Cesar Romero in there and um, oh, who was the penguin? What was his name? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Burgess see. Meredith. Hey, well done. Um, well done. We're in there, and they were talking about it. Adam West, and, and they had the Catwoman, and and um, it was just it was really nice to see them all talk. And this was just on the eve of the first of the new um, Batman films. Right. So right. it was right on that, and they were talking about it, and it was just it was re- it was really lovely to see them talking so fondly. And Burgess was saying about how his. You know, it was rah, 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 rah. He said that the, that um, that sort of came about by accident because when he smoked the cigars, it actually did used to make him cough. Uh-huh. So he would, so he incorporated that <laughs> into his thing. I just thought it was just lovely to see them. Lovely to see. I them. remember that there was a big campaign which was successful to have Adam West's uh, name on, you know, one of the stars. Stars, on, yeah, on yeah, on the pavement there, and. Um, I remember being so excited about it, I forwarded the link to the programme all about it on Netflix to all my followers, and I got so many people saying, oh, Nick, I think you've been hacked. I go, no, I did it on purpose. (laughs) I just love Batman. I just love Batman. uh, So there are two things about this email. Uh, One, we should remind people that the reason that uh, Dan wrote this in is because we asked people to tell us 
where they would like to live, what fictional environment, perhaps a TV show they would like to live in. So that's in case you haven't been listening to the last few podcasts. And the other thing is, I'm absolutely flabbergasted, Benji, mm. that you throughout you pronounced Batman as Batman and not Batman. Which is Batman, yes. Oh, using the schwa. schwa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, Stephen Noonan, our first doctor, has uh, been educating schwa. us about. That. Schwa is the, the, um, the phonetic symbol for the de-stressing of the A, the final A in Batman. So it's not Batman, it's Batman. Batman, yeah. Cyberman, Spiderman. Yeah. And yeah. used actively for things like fireman. Policeman, postman. Yeah. Although now they're more... Fi- they fire people, aren't they? I think I, I can't remember what the official that term is. That sounds like they're aliens then. They say, we are the fire people. We are the fire people. I think, that, is that from Labyrinth, the fire... Fireies, the fire people? I, I remember, don't know. I remember in um, uh, Nebulous, I played the Infernons from... The Infernon. Infernons from, from Infernos. And then they said, the fireplace. <laughs> the fireplace <laughs> which is very beautifully domestic isn't it that is wonderful that you is. just instantly see you know the utensils st- the fire irons there and you know just like that- a little Victorian fireplace <laughs> exactly. the fireplace the fireplace I, the that was my tribute to Roy Skelton when I did that voice I did them like this oh yes like that yeah the pole what's it I've just gone, gone into pure Planet of the Daleks. Of now. course, take him to the Daleks. Um, dear, oh dear, that sounded um, a bit like the Crow Man. <laughs> oh, take him to the Daleks! <laughs> <laughs> take him to the Daleks! Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wurzel, you and your Daleks! Um, side note: It says here, Batman and Robin. Um, from this series it sounds even better when you say Batman and Robin yeah um, it oh it's like those two men what are they called I saw them running around uh, Batman and Robin um, Batman and Robin from this uh, series teamed up with Steed and Mrs Peel in a comic book published in 2016 sadly I doubt we can expect that comic to be adapted as a big Finnish audio adventure now, I, I also believe that it was unlicensed um, Adam- wasn't it that's why Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I believe that um, Adam West and um, Burt Ward did reprise their roles for an animated series a couple of years ago, just before Adam West passed away. Did they? They did, yes. And it was uh, it was against um, Mark Hamill's Joker, oh, which wow. was quite cool. It was a Amazing. different sort of thing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. They do t- they do sound older, but I mean, I really don't care. So exactly. Know. Yes. Well, thank you for that one. Um, I feel compelled to get my Blu-ray out, which is over there, of Batman, and watch it all. Batman 66, yeah, I've got the box set. Bought it for my son. He used to call it 1966 Batman. (laughs) Um, Next up, uh, Joshua Duffy writes in, um, living in a book, TV or movie world. Okay, this is Joshua's... uh, Contribution, hi Nick and Benji. If I was living in a book, movie or TV world, I would live in the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would definitely hang out with the Avengers, Spider-Man and other heroes, but 
Spider-Man, sorry. <laughs> but at the same time, I wouldn't live in major cities since a lot of battles happen a lot there. And I would be upset if my home or car was destroyed in the battle. This is very sensible, practical thinking, mm, Joshua. Yeah. Well done. But with what's currently happening in the MCU, such as multiverses and the Earth being an egg for a celestial... Goodness, has that happened? did that with the moon in Doctor Who didn't they I would probably have to get a force field for my house to keep it <laughs> safe but I would keep it open to invite my other selves from the multiverse for a party so the MCU would probably be a dangerous place to live in but I would still live there just to meet the heroes sincerely Joshua Duffy thank sacrifices, you sacrifices isn't it sacrifices food for thought I'd love the way you've really thought through the practical imp implications of this very realistic uh, proposition I mean, Joshua, have you have you looked into to where you can park? Um, what the what the parking fines are yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? We we need to know. Yeah, um, all these too. things are really important uh, to build that full profile. Um, brilliant stuff. Uh, Mark Lacey messages in here. Russell T Davies is. Did you say Mark? Mike, sorry. Mike Lacey has emailed in here. Um, uh, Ari Russell T Davies is sixth. Doctor story. Dear Nick and Benji, forget about the sixth or sixth uh, Doctor. Uh, in order to save us from mispronouncing Davies, will you let us know, please? Should we stop saying Davies? They're so it's, not, it's uh, in order to save us from mispronouncing Davis, would you let us know, please? Should we stop saying Davis? I think, anyway, uh, yes. <laughs> What does he say there in brackets? It says, uh, they're not perfect rhymes. No. You get the idea. Cheers, Mike. Well, yeah, we get the idea. What what Mike is referring to is that um, in the last podcast, no, the one but last, um, we were talking about Russell. And um, I, at the beginning of the podcast, said Russell T. Davis. And then, having heard Emily Cook saying Russell T. Davies, ah. I thought, oh, maybe I've got it wrong. And then, But then Russell pronounces his name Russell T. Davis. So my rule of thumb is that you should pronounce someone's name the way That's they fair. pronounce it. You know, it's like it's a so bit many of a Bowie people. Bowie scenario, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And and so and like Mark Gatiss, so many people say Gatis, and Mark says it as Gatis, and so you know. Well, I, I get it should. all the time, Benji Clyford. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas Your Briggs. Nick, Nick Briggs, yeah, yeah. We get it so, all the time. So it's Davis, it's Davis. Davis, and, Davis Unless Davis. I've got that wrong, and I'm sure I'll be hearing from Russell's lawyer. Well, I'm quite exhausted after all that. I, mm. I think I've done a lot of laughing. My face is aching. Uh, that's <laughs> Faking. That's, my, my mum used to call me face ache, you know. <laughs> face ache. What's the matter not with you, affectionate, face ache? Not, yeah. not a very affectionate term, is it? Face ache for Nakapan, she used to say. Does that for mean Nakapan. Not at all. No. Just That just came to me from my childhood. And let's put it back there, folks. Uh, that's it for the emails this week. Uh, more next time sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And don't forget, we're still interested to know about which fictional um, realm would you like to live in? I think it's quite an interesting question, it's isn't good, it? It's a good question. It was your Very question. Well done. What can I say? Can I say? <laughs> uh, yeah, send them in podcast at bigfinish.com. Yes. The Randomoid Selectron is running up to speed as we speak. 
as we speak, rather. I can't speak, but but apparently, apparently doing it's doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's preparing itself to deliver a twenty five percent discount on a, a randomly selected big finish release. Oh, lovely! It makes me rub my hands together in that Ooh, strange. Fashion. We like that. So, we ooh, like that. Could yeah, start a yeah. fire like this. Uh, but before that, it's time for also available this week another landmark release: Doctor of War Genesis, and the first story: Dust Devil by the ever-brilliant John Dorney. My name is Barnaby Kay, and I am the director of the Doctor of War episodes, and this one is called Dust Devil. For me, it's jolly exciting because this is my second set of episodes that I've done. I've just completed an episode set on Peladon, and uh, this is my second set of episodes. And they are rather extraordinary, sort of -of out-of-time episodes written by John Dorney, and they are so extraordinarily non-linear and the, the, I think for the audience as well as for the characters they, everyone's on catch-up we're not quite sure where we are what planet we're on what timeline we're in and that I think is, a, is an exciting prospect to unpick and unravel Hello, I'm John Dorney and I script-edited Doctor of War and wrote the first story of Volume 1 Dust Devil I got an email through, must be about a year or so ago now, where the general concept of of Doctor of War got suggested to me, all of which seemed quite exciting and a bit crazy to me, so I was was very much into it. I always loved the Unbound stories when they were first released, just the idea of the scale and the opportunities that they gave you, and, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this now in the wake of things like, you know, what if doing sort of alternative universe stories for the Marvel Universe, all of which is, is a sort of wide array of stuff that I, uh, I I find genuinely quite interesting. That sense of paths not taken and so on and so forth. So yeah, the idea of taking a, a, a different approach to both Unbound and the Time War seemed uh, very exciting to me. An opportunity to kind of go a little bit more freeform with all of those things. We are talking about the Daleks, the most evil creatures ever invented. You must destroy them. You must complete your mission for the Time Lords. But do I have the right? There's a recreation of Tom Baker's scene in Scaro and uh, with the moment that's very famous where he has simply has to put touch two wires together and kill off the Daleks. And in the TV version, he doesn't do it and feels that he is in no place to destroy, he'd be no better than the Daleks if he was to destroy a whole life form. And so he elects not to do it and, and we know what happens next. But in this episode, we recreate the most of that scene until the moment when he didn't touch the wires together and nothing goes quite how he expected it to or anybody expected it to. So it's, there's a good discussion there about, about um, how we how we affect time and the butterfly effect to some extent but for me what's going to be great is is listening to the I wasn't able to be there for the for the recordings of those scenes but I'll be able to to try and match them as much as possible we'll have two or three takes of each of each line and I'll be able to try as much as possible to match it to to exactly the performance um, that Tom gave and the others too they'll have copied those scenes as much as possible so i'm really looking forward to to sifting through it all and uh, and finding some matches so that we can make it for the aficionados we can make it as close as possible hello i'm nicola bryant and i play perry and miss brown and i'm colin baker and i don't play perry or miss brown 
I play the sixth doctor. Whenever you take me on vacation, you always seem to take me somewhere. No one in their right mind would ever want to take a vacation. <laughs> I'm trying to broaden your mind. Unsuccessfully, it would appear. I love the War Doctor series, and it was exciting that uh, Colin and I get to be a part of that. And I get to be Perry in, in all her glory, but I also get to be a rather unpleasant assassin which uh, is always enjoyable. Well, it's exciting for me because when I read it, I thought, wow, that's exciting because it takes us off in another direction. It's, uh, I always hate using comparisons, but if this were an episode of Sapphire and Steel, for instance, blended with the Doctor, that's the kind of thing we're looking at here. Distorted reality and alternate futures and tampering with, with time and tampering with identity and and giving us op opportunities to do something different with our doctors. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Doctor of War into the search pane at the top to enter a whole universe of possibilities. A multiverse, you might say. As, as you might say, yes, indeed. Well, just a reminder that it will be time to tease you with the first 15 minutes of The Outlaws, starring our exciting new first Doctor, Stephen Noonan. But first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron, offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. We're in there. Okay, it's been what fired we up. Blake 7, Lucifer, the audiobook. Oh, Lucifer, Lucifer. Read Lucifer. and written by the fantastic Paul Darrow. Oh, amazing. You can't A man whose that, voice is just superb. Lovely, lovely, brilliant. Of course, we can take this opportunity to schwa a bit because um, whilst, uh, of course, Paul Darrow plays Ker Avon, um, as the wonderful uh, legendary Gareth Thomas used to say in Blake 7, Avon. Brilliant. That's wonderful, isn't it? Avon. Well, not not uh, to be confused with the catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> Ding dong. Um, Paul Darrow, an amazing person. I met him on a number of occasions. I was always quite scared of him, but uh, he's very generous and nice. <laughs> uh, I remember Colin Baker saying, I, I love meeting Paul Darrow because um, it makes me feel very understated, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, brilliant. Uh, there's no trailer for this on the site, which seems to be a terrible oversight. Um, I'll see if I can find a clip. Lucifer. Written and read by Paul Darrow. Prologue. There was a time when the Federation ruled, or at least had control over the known universe as well as continually expanding. Until, that is, it reached what was known as the edge of the beyond. Whilst ambition is in many cases admirable, it was here that the aspirations of the Federation, tainted with hubris, proved too great. Ignoring the fact that its supply lines were overstretched, it launched an attack upon the disparate warlords who inhabited the beyond. Not so disparate. The warlords, forewarned, launched a series of hit-and-run counterattacks that soon had the Federation forces reeling. Unable to sustain their foolhardy adventure, they broke and ran out of the beyond and through the edge with warlords and their voracious followers in hot pursuit. There you have it. 
Marvelous. So, marvelous. Um, Benji, would Safe you... Safe as houses, mate. Safe as houses. Would you... <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Would you, while I emailed Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, would you explain how... It, it would be my pleasure. I know you've never done this before, so it might be no, a bit, I'm a bit nervous. for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, Benji, you can do it. Uh, all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com. Once you're on there, there's a menu at the top that goes across. Go to podcasts. On podcasts, it will say read more. Click read more. Then in the blurb underneath the picture of myself and Nick, it should say mm-hmm. uh, the Randomoid Selectron also features, offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here and enter the code BUCKUP. And that's buck up in capital letters, B-U-C-K-U-P, and no space in between. Just buck up, no spaces, punctuation, complication, uh, or cheese sandwiches. Just just buck up. Uh, Enter that in, and bingo, bango, bongo, you will get your 25% reduction. It's well worth doing. Yeah, nice one, nice one. And thank you, Ran. Nice. Uh, Next week's podcast is entitled Nightmare Genesis and features an exclusive podcast interview with the actor Lauren Cornelius, who plays Dodo Chaplet to our brilliant new first doctor, Stephen Noonan, featured in an interview in this uh, week's podcast, as you will have heard. Uh, We also delve behind the scenes with Torchwood One Nightmare and catch up with a Doctor of War 15-minute drama tease. Very exciting, very exciting. Mm. Well, just time now to thank you all once again for listening and continuing to support our audio endeavours. Nice. Please, whatever you do, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and pass the word around about Big Finish for the love of stories. Time now for the first Doctor Adventures, The Outlaws by Lisbeth Miles and starring Stephen Noonan and Lauren Cornelius. or walk on the moon, or meet Catherine the Great. I did love Russia, you know. Yes, my dear, I recall. Now, if you could just give me a moment. (laughs) Atmospheric pressure, oxygen, temperature, radiation. Yes, it's all quite normal. Now, let's have a look at the scanner, shall we? Hmm? (laughs) We're in a forest. I can see that, Doctor. But where? And when? Well, judging by those trees, I'd say, uh, England. Yes. Somewhere around the 13th century. <laughs> well, it looks like a lovely place for a walk, where or whenever it is. 
There aren't any bears about, are there? Bears? Why should there be bears? Well, I know England had plenty of them wandering around in the past. Yes, my dear. About a thousand years before this time. <laughs> no, we'll be quite safe. Hmm. Oh, good. Now, are you sure you're up to it? Hmm? Why wouldn't I be? Oh, no reason. No reason. I'm fine, Doctor. Really, I am. I know that it hasn't been easy for you since, um... Well, since Stephen left, hmm? Having no one but a cranky old fusspot like me to talk to, hmm? Don't be silly, Doctor. You're the most interesting person I've ever met. <laughs> yes, well, uh, I suppose I can be quite engaging on occasion. Hmm. Anyway, I know that moping about the TARDIS isn't going to do either of us any good. I am not moping. <laughs> of course not. Neither of us are. Shall we be off? Hmm? I'd better get changed first. What ever for? I can't run around the 13th century in a miniskirt, can I? <laughs> Won't be a minute. Uh, oh, and while you're footling around in that wardrobe, bring my stick, child. Perhaps it would be best if I were to send you to your relatives in Aquitaine. Grandmother, no. If you are staying to defend Lincoln, then so must I. You've never seen war before, Idenea. Whatever you've heard about the Crusades, there is no romance in it. I promise you. I will not leave you. If you insist, then you must have me dragged out of the castle in chains. There's no need to be so dramatic, girl. You may stay. But I expect not to hear a word of complaint when we are under siege for a year and forced to eat rat to survive. Is that likely? That French upstart believes he secured London and is marching his army out to take more of the country. He needs Lincoln Castle to secure the North. What do you imagine he'll do if I surrender to him? I'm sure he'll offer terms that are befitting the honour of a royal prince. <laughs> he'll have us locked up and ransomed if we're lucky. Remember that. My Lady Sheriff, I've heard report of another trader just come into the city who's had his goods stolen by thieves. On the South Forest Road? Aye, my Lady. From his description of the attackers, I've no doubt it's the same band of churls. We cannot allow this to continue. The patrols are thinly stretched, especially on the South Road. I need more men. Very well. I leave the numbers required to your discretion. Have we the money, Grandmother? Are you afraid I'll not be able to afford the silk for your dresses? Sir Hugh, take whatever you need from the treasury. I want the road secure before I send out taxes to the king. I'll make sure of it, my lady. Why does Sir Hugh not write me poetry? Alas, he has other things on his mind, like the defence of Lincoln and the future of the realm. You must find yourself some foppish knight if you wish for such flattery. I should like a husband who would write me poetry. Indeed. Why care about how much land he has when he can string together a few pretty words? Any man can own land. But to write poetry requires a depth of soul that few can aspire to. Does it indeed? Oh, to have some dashing troubadour recite verses of how he'll carry me off to some... Distant land. Saints, spare me. 
Is it so wrong to wish to be loved? I do not object to love, dear girl. Only poets. Is this because King Richard was a poet? Look, when London is free, I'll take you to court. You will? I fancy you'll meet all the silly young men you could wish for there. <laughs> oh, thank you, Grandmother. But first, this upstart Frenchman must be defeated. I've no doubt the King will prevail. We all pray for that. Now, I have a castle to oversee, and you, I'm sure, have a tutor to offend. I shall see you later. Yes, Grandmother. Oh, it's lovely. Isn't it lovely, Doctor? Oh, it's quite delightful. <laughs> now, let me see. That way, I think. East. It's my favourite direction. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we'll meet any knights? Hmm? Oh, might there be a joust on? I'd love to see a joust. Oh, I'm afraid they're not as romantic as you might imagine, my dear. As I recall, there's rather a lot of, um, blood and cracked skulls involved. <laughs> oh. Well, that's disappointing. Quite so, quite so. Your men seem to know what they're doing. I hope to double their numbers within the next few weeks. We've the food and equipment for so many? I've spoken to the city blacksmiths, and they're already at work. You were not here when I was last forced to defend these walls. That lasted only 40 days. And yet still it tested the fortitude of every man and woman here. You worry too much. Better too much than too little. Would my lady feel better if the Lady Idenea were out of the country? A little, perhaps. But the risk to her is slight compared to the people of Lincoln. These are desperate times, my lady. And there is so little I can do. You do all that could be asked of you. How can so many turn against our rightful king? Prince Louis isn't the first man to invade England and claim the throne is truly his. Do we not descend from Normans? God was on King William's side that day. Do you believe him to be on Louis? Speak honestly to me. Uh, I'm not learned enough to have an answer to such questions. <laughs> I leave that to my betters. A most diplomatic reply. When you get the chance, my friend, show my granddaughter how she may escape the castle should the worst happen. She has some notion of only leaving if she's dragged away. But when she catches sight of blood, that will quickly pass. Of course. But why not do it yourself? I do not wish to have another conversation about poets. My Lady Idenea? Sir Hugh? Uh, your grandmother would not approve of you being up here. Grandmother approves of very little I do. Besides, the view is wonderful. I suppose that's why the castle was built here, so we might spot whoever approaches. I imagine so, my lady. You see, I do know some things. So, what can I do for you? Might we meet by the east turret at midday? I have something I must show you. Certainly, dear knight. I would be delighted.
Uh, we're not lost, are we? Uh, my dear, I'm never lost. <laughs> <laughs> never, Doctor. The TARDIS has never once landed where you've wanted. Oh, nonsense. I've never heard such rubbish. I simply allow a certain margin of error. <laughs> how big a margin? Have you ever noticed how we always land on planets? Hmm? Yes. Well, the universe is only 30% matter. And most of that is um, hydrogen in interstellar space. So, quite frankly, it's a remarkable achievement that we ever land on a planet at all. <laughs> well, when you put it like that... Although I, I will admit, a lot of these trees do look the same. We may have gone slightly off course, but uh, I think this direction is. I'm sure this is east. <laughs> No, come along, child. <laughs> Soul gentle knight, what have you to show me? A secret. A most precious secret that you can share with no one. How exciting! And what might this most precious secret be? Your grandmother has asked me Grandmother? To... Yes. She wanted me to show you the... You mean this isn't a tryst? My lady, I, I... I would never... Never? Am I so very unattractive? Oh, no, no, of course not. You're a very, uh... Very pretty... Beautiful... Um... Um? I am... Uh, uh, I would never take advantage, uh, and I'm very attached to my head, uh, which the sheriff would have if I, um, um... Yes, well, it's clear you're no poet. You can stop panicking now, Sir Hugh. You've made your feelings quite plain. So, what does Grandmother want now? Uh, if you'll just follow me. It's... Here somewhere. Ah! It's a wall! A moment, my lady. It's been some time since I was last here. There should be a flagstone with a small crack in the corner. <clears throat> here we are. Please explain what you're doing. You look very silly patting the floor. A moment, my lady, and all will be clear. What's down there? Is Grandmother hiding some treasure? In a manner of speaking. If you climb down, you'll find yourself in a tunnel. A tunnel? A secret tunnel! A way out of the castle! Yes, my lady. Well, that is a useful thing to know. You'll remember where it is? There's a point. Perhaps I could draw a little chalk cross on it. Uh, Perhaps not. As you said, it is meant to be a secret escape tunnel. Oh, very well. Let me see. I shall count the number of flagstones from the end of the corridor. Will that do? An excellent idea, my lady. If you will excuse me, I have other duties to perform. I must lead a patrol out to the forest. Thank you. 
Did you know we'd find a road here? What? Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I have a nose for these sorts of things. Hmm. That's very clever. And, as I said, I have an impeccable sense of direction. <laughs> Horses! Up ahead somewhere! <laughs> Let's go and see! Come back, child! You never know. They might be jousting. Come back this instant. Oh, good gracious me. Why must she always go charging off? It's irritating. Most irritating. Why didn't you tell me there was a secret passage out of the castle before? I had the strangest notion that you might misuse it. So why tell me about it now? Because I must impress upon you the seriousness of the situation. There is every chance we will come under siege in the coming months. How can you ask me to leave you behind? If I go, you must come with me. You are my heir. You are the future of this family. And I will protect you, but I will not shirk my duty. I must stay, no matter what the risk. Oh, Grandmother! Don't fret so. I'm an old woman. Nonsense! Do not try to flatter me, girl. You haven't the subtlety to be convincing. I meant what I said. I will not go. And I mean what I say. I've also got a great many soldiers at my command. And yes, I will have you bound up and carried out if I must. You wouldn't. You know perfectly well that I would. Why must you be so cruel? Yes, of course, ensuring the safety of my granddaughter. How perfectly monstrous of me.